Luke. And we do have a visitor this morning. God bless her. Thank you for being here with us this morning. It's not like that, that we want to put people on the spot. We just want them to know that we're so happy that you came by to be with us in the, in the Lord's house. Uh, I want to go, if you would, with me to the book of Luke in the sixth chapter. <clears throat> I want to just take one little verse right out of the middle of a thing. It's the 40th verse. And this morning I will be speaking some things that are very familiar to us. But I just felt it on my heart. Um, there's, a, there's a need for us to understand a thing. So this is like a second Sunday that we'll be talking about this sort of the same subject. Um, verse 40, Luke 6, a disciple is not above his teacher. But everyone who has been perfected will be like his teacher. Somebody needs to read that to some people. The disciple will never be above the rabbi. Never, never, never. But everyone who has been perfected, and this really word perfected means to be thoroughly completed, will be like his teacher. If you would go with me over to the book of Philippians, the second chapter. I want to read a few verses there, one through five. Philippians, the second chapter, one. If there be any comfort in Christ, if there be any consolation of love, if there be any fellowship of the Spirit and any tenderness and compassions, fulfill my joy that you think the same. Everybody say think. I think that was a couple. That you think the same having the same love, one in soul, and minding one thing, doing nothing according to party spirit or self-glory, but in hum humility esteeming one another to surpass themselves, each not looking at their own things, but also at the things of others. Now, verse 5, for let this mind be in you, which also was in Christ Jesus. Let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. Hmm. I think we're going to talk about the mind a little bit more this morning. 2 Corinthians, the 10th chapter. You all know this chapter if you, boy, we have to go here sometimes, and we're going here this morning. Third verse, for walking about in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not fleshly, not carnal, but powerful to God in order to pull down strongholds, pulling down imaginations and every high thing lifting itself up, lifting up itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought into the obedience of Christ. Let's pray. Lord, we just ask you right now, God, that your spirit supersede this thing, Lord. God, that your spirit, Lord, go into this place, Lord, and, and we feel the distraction. But, Lord, there is, there is a spirit of God which is greater and stronger than any outside power, Lord. So we ask you, God, that you would touch this morning, that your word would go forward, your gospel would go forward, and that you would minister to our lives. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. Last week we talked about the allegoric truth of the cross. 
the cross. Take up your cross and follow him. Take up your cross and follow him. We talked about that at length, what it means to take up the cross. And ultimately, we got to the place where it was talk, talks about our, our thought life. And really what is crucified out there is not this flesh where we are, you know, bleeding, dying on a cross. But rather in type, metaphorically, it is that thought life. It is that which was, is inside of us that needs to be crucified so that this body will be dead to sin but will be alive to Jesus Christ. And so there is that path that goes to the cross. And we talked, like I said, at length in that last week. And this, this morning I want to talk about a little different angle. There's, there's another path to the same destination. And so I want to go there because the death of the carnal mind, it resists the Spirit of God. And it is the, the carnal mind where our trouble lays. It's not the devil. It's not the, the sin of the world that's out there, but it is our mind. And even James says that no man, no man, the devil did not make you do it. But every man is tempted, what, of his own flesh, right? And that's where he comes into sin because of temp yielding to the temptation of his own flesh, but it comes through this mind of ours. So let's look at this other path a little while. Paul revealed to us that in the same wisdom that Jesus Christ would talk about going to the cross, there is also this, this other revealed understanding which takes us to the same place and the flesh mind. The flesh mind always has something to bring to the table when we talk about the gospel. The flesh mind always has something to bring to the table. <coughs> Years ago, we had somebody working for us, and uh, they said... They had some things to bring to the table. Well, I'd been working many, 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 many years as a contractor. And at that point, I felt like I really did understand what to do. And had been in business for many, 20, 25, 30 years, I don't know. And at that point, I pretty much understood what I needed to do. But if somebody wants to bring something to the table of the Lord, you don't need to bring your understanding to the table of the Lord. He already has it established. This thing's 2,000 years old. He has established it by his word. He has established it by his apostles. He has built upon this, this foundation of himself and his apostles and what they have said. But we always have an if and or but when we hear the word of God. Now, don't act like this morning that you don't do that because we do. It's part of us. We question things. How many here like to question things? Yeah, Tony does. Thank you, Tony, for being honest. It's right that we weigh things out. We don't just receive everything. We don't just, yes, we jump on board to whatever anybody has to say, anybody's doing, anybody's thinking. We just jump on board. No, that's being thrown to and fro with every wind of doctrine. So there is an established thing in our life. But when it comes to the Word of God, His words are without debate. And we might debate them, but we're, we're the loser. The Lord doesn't change His Word. Can you say amen? There's this song going on that I've been hearing that, his word is still the same. His word has not changed. It doesn't matter how much time has gone by. Everything he said is still the same. Isn't that beautiful? 
you can put your faith in one thing, and that God is right about what he says. Men come and go, and ideas come and go, and kingdoms come and go, and administrations come and go, and, and we are, we're in the middle of this whole thing where, where this nation is rocking back and forth. But the beautiful thing is, is that the Word of God stands forever. Heaven and earth passes away, but my Word never passes away. Can you say amen? So whether we're preaching it today, we're preaching it last year, 20 years ago, 100, 200, 1,000 years ago, this Word is still the same. This Word will last forever and ever and ever. And I place my trust in what God says. What men say. The favor of men, the ideas of men, they're all around us. It's going on. But this word will last forever and ever and ever. How many like to being told what to do and you just fall in line to that? Like, hey, tell me something else. Okay, the only one. You just like being told what to do. Is it against your nature? To be told what to do. Is it or not? When you were little kids. And mom and daddy told you not to do something. I guarantee you. There was something inside of you that said. Yes I am. Like the little story of the boy that. They told him to sit down. I'm not sitting down. Yes you are. You sit down. I'm not sitting down. Finally, they made him sit down. He said, I'm sitting down on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside. But that's us. I don't know how we came equipped with that. I, I think I'm going to go all the way back to the garden, okay? I'm going to go back to the human nature in the garden. And God said, do not. And given an opportunity, Eve said, no, I think I will. And from that time till this, we received that same nature. And so mom and dad tell us, and then, then, then it goes on further. You know, um, um, elders tell us, and relatives tell us, and then maybe, maybe uh, at least when I was going to school, you had to do what the teacher said. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to ask the parents not to tell their kids to do what the teacher says anymore. <sighs> Scary stuff. <coughs> but then we don't want to do what the policeman says. Sit there and look at me like that. I, I don't. Why in the world is that 25 miles an hour? There is no way that needs to be 25 miles an hour. What's in us? It's just automatically we, we, we tend to question things. It's just us. It's not you're not a bad person. It's just the human nature. But our human nature has got to be dealt with. Because we come to the Word of God, and the Lord says a thing, and there comes that deal again. Oh, I'm not so sure about that. And the Lord says, do this or, or don't do that, and, and immediately it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm doing it on the outside, but on the inside, I'm doing something else. And it's all human flesh. It's hard to break, and that's why the Lord said every day, folks. I'm sorry, when you get up in the morning, you're getting up with the same baggage that you went to sleep with, and you've got to deal with that guy every single day. 
And what is it going wrong? It's my arms, my legs, they're just doing, they're taking me places I don't want to go. Never. This body does what this inner man says to do. And so when it comes to the Lord's things, you know, I've got this, this issue. I love you, Jesus. And I believe everybody in the house here this morning say, I love you, Lord. I do. I, I do love you, Lord. But I just don't like some of the things you said. It's like Isaiah 30th chapter, 21st verse. I quote this sometimes because this, this really speaks to us. Hear what the Lord said. This is the way you walk in it. Well, that rubbed me wrong. Surely there must be a reason. Lord explained, no, no. This is the way you walk in it. Well, but so-and-so is not dead. No, 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 no. This is the way you walk in it. That doesn't appeal to my flesh. What appeals to my flesh is, Lord, if you give me the right reason, and I agree with it, I'm going to walk right in your ways. It's just going to be a really just good fellowship for us. But the fellowship is the Lord says it, the rabbi says it, the servant does it. So we, we come into this, this human mind, human understanding, becomes such a distraction for us. But this is the way walking it, it leaves so little room to expand on or no discussion about. Does God have to explain to us why? Or as supreme king, rabbi, can he just say, this is what you're going to do, and his servants do it? This is the relationship the Lord wants in our life. It's called obedience. Can you say amen? And so let's look at that a little bit. Preachers everywhere are so proficient in deciphering the words of Jesus into acceptable carnal understanding. And it works like this. Take a verse that sounds how you feel already. You already have a feeling about things and you find a verse that fits your ideas and thoughts and then that becomes the primary premise in your life i know too many people that this has happened to take a verse well it's god's word so i take one verse and i that's going to be the premise of my life everything else is going to come through there it's going to filter through that and so where i find for instance god is love I'm going to filter everything down through God is love. And my perception, if God is, is love, then he's not going to punish people. He's not going to require a lot of people. He's just going to love them. So God is love. Everything filters down through that in my life. And then what happens? We become apostate. On a scripture. The human understanding and wisdom of a scripture can make us apostate. Because there's a whole book of things that God said, not just one thing. Come on, say amen. In this church, we try not to do that. As pastors, what we try to do is open the Word of God. And one thing I always tell you, you go home. That's you own the book. You go home and you start reading that and you start studying that. Don't just take 
for everything that we say for granted because we don't want to just take one verse and build a whole uh, doctrine and idea on just one single aspect of God. Sure, God is love. Sure, He is not willing that any should perish. But the other side of that is that He wants everyone to come to repentance. <coughs> so we can't just take a partial truth. It is true, but it's just a part of a truth. And this old physical mind, this old fleshly mind, it, it tells us to do that. Take a part of a truth, right? Let's go to another one. By grace you are saved. Is that a truth? Not by works lest any man should boast. Is that a truth? Sure it's a truth. There isn't anything you can do for salvation. It's a free gift of God. And so by grace you are saved. So everything I do now, nothing matters because by grace, right, I'm saved. So nothing, no, no, no. That's a truth. But in our mind, we can accept that as being the full premise of God for our life. And so in the fullness, that's why we teach the word in fullness. Somebody said, well, well what are you? What, what denomination and stuff? You know, we're not. We're, right now, we're not connected with the denomination. Well, that doesn't really matter. We are full gospel. Do you understand what that term means? I believe it all. I don't understand everything in the Scripture, but I believe it all. And so we preach this full gospel, not a part of a truth. So, so now I can walk, and, and whatever happens in my life, and whatever I do, by grace I am saved, so everything is good. No, no, that's a, that's a false premise to filter everything through in your life. Yes, there is grace. Yes, thank God for His grace. But also... We are to walk worthy of the calling that he has called us with. Can you say amen? So there's two sides of that, not just, not just one idea turned into a premise in our life. Let me give you one that's really popular we've been talking about for a while. Acts 2.38. Acts 2.38 of Scripture? Absolutely. Absolutely. I believe it. It's a good one. Need to repent. Hey, let's all get baptized in Jesus' name. It's good. It's right. It's true. But I'm not filtering everything through one scripture. I'm not going to make that our premise in this church. Let me tell you what we are going to make our premise. We're going to make it Deuteronomy 6 and 4. And we're going to make it uh, Mark the 12th chapter. What is the great commandment? Let me tell you what it is. Thou shalt worship and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and all thy soul and all thy strength and all thy mind. This is God's premise for the church. That's where everything filters through. Is that I love Him with my actions. I love Him with my spirit. I love Him in my heart. And Lord, I need some help in my mind. Anybody here say amen this morning? Because my mind wants to filter things through a different premise. And so, God, help us. Help us to see what it is this morning, Lord. The Rabbi Yeshua and his thinking. We mentioned mind, God, our mind. Love the Lord with all our mind. Rabbi Jesus, Yeshua, he had a mind and human thinking. 
I don't want to get into the hypostatic union of God and man and what all that means. I don't know exactly what all of it means. I just know that God became flesh and dwelt among us. And as a flesh man, he had the mind and feelings, emotions, soul of a man. And so when the Scripture says, and Paul by revelation says to us, let this mind be in you, it really is more than let. Let is subjunctive. And really this is more of a mandate. This is the mind that needs to be in you. Is that okay to say? Not your mind. And, and really the expansion of that word mind there, uh, frone, is, is, goes to opinion. What you think about things, not just your mind, but how you consider things to be. What you think things are. Well, this is what I think about it. That. Well, this is my opinion. That. Let this mind be in you that was in Christ. Has anybody ever struggled with that besides me? Because I get mad sometimes. I get upset sometimes. And sometimes I say things that I go, oh, man, I shouldn't have said that. Anybody here? Say amen. Thank you. Just one or two. You know, we're going to keep preaching if we can get one or two here. But the mind opinion submitted to the Christ opinion. This, this is the crux. This is the cross. This is where it's at. Is that my opinion and Christ's opinion isn't just going to be a, a bracelet on my wrist that says, what would Jesus do? You don't know what Jesus would do if you don't know him. So I get in a, a situation and it's, what would Jesus do? No, no, I'm not even going there. I'm not even playing that game. What I'm going to say is the mind of the Lord, not the bracelet of the Let this bracelet be upon you. No. Let the mind of the Lord be upon you, in you, and upon you. The same mind. And so we need to look at his mind a little bit, okay? Is that all right? He's in flesh. He's in a body. He feels. He thinks. He, he has knowledge as a man. And so let's look at this a little bit. <laughs> Though existing as Yahweh... In a human body, earthly body, he determined not to take advantage of that. See, the scripture says that, that he was equal to God. Not equal with God, but he was equal God. He was the God spirit invisible that you cannot see become the God flesh that was tangible and with us. But being in the form of God, he doesn't take advantage of this. And I'm going to tell you why. If he has, doesn't have to deal with the mind that we deal with, then really he hasn't experienced everything about humanity, right? And so, no, his mind is, is he doesn't ever, you know, have to battle the mind. No, I find that completely contrary because I find him going in the desert and fasting 40 days and 40 nights. 
And I find him praying there. And why does he need to do that as the son of the living God, that which is birthed in the earth, God himself, come to life in the flesh? Why does he have to go in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights before he goes into a ministry? And there he is tested and proven for this whole time because of the mind. It is the only, Brother De La Vega said this years ago, he went in there so that there were no chinks in his armor. There was nowhere that the enemy could come in and take advantage of him as a flesh man. And I believe that. But he had to have this covering over his mind that, that it was totally submissive to God, that it wasn't, you know, the, the will of his own. We're going to find him in the garden. We're going to find him fighting the mind there. We're going to find him sweating it out there. And he is toiling in the spirit, but yet he already has settled the question of whose mind is going to win in him. A lot of us as Christians have not decided that yet. Which mind is going to win. And so we have a lot more trouble than, certainly than what we should have. The second thing is, he emptied himself himself. <coughs> I put a second himself on there. Did you notice that? Somebody else did not empty him. He laid it aside. He could have, it would not have been seizure for him to take this ministry as God. He could have done it. It wouldn't have even been wrong. He just wouldn't have felt the whole human existence had he done that. So he empties himself. No, I'm not taking advantage. I'm, I'm not going to be greater than a human being in this. I'm not going to be a superhero. This human, elevated, physically strong, bigger and better than anybody else, he did not do that. He emptied himself. Wow, I'll tell you what. The mind of the Lord, hmm, it's not easy for us to empty ourselves. Come on and say amen. He took on the form of a servant, and now this is a place where the human mind does not want to go. It is in you to want to be served. It's inside of you, each one of you. I could take you by the hand this morning and say, it's in you to want people to serve you. It's just in you. The Lord, it was in him. He emptied himself. So that he wouldn't be a taker. There's only two, two kinds of Christians. Takers and givers. And unless you empty yourself, you're a taker. And Jesus knew this. They come to crown him as king. Oh, no, he's not going with them because his kingdom, and Brother Dust talked about this the other day, his kingdom is not of this world anyway, and he's not going to let them exalt him in the flesh. That's not where his kingdom is at. And so he empties himself. Can you say amen? Does everybody here like to empty yourself and become a servant? I know I don't like it very well. We get to do it, you know, in all, all sectors of life, 
on your job. I don't like emptying myself and being the servant. I like being the boss. What about at home? None of us, sorry, all us pious men and, and, and husbands and wives, we don't like that thing about emptying ourselves, becoming a servant. I'm sorry. It's just, I love you. But, you know, God bless you. Me, it's hard for us to empty ourselves. Can you say amen? Especially and become a servant. And then finally, finally, <clears throat> and being found in the fashion of man, he humbles himself, himself. The scripture says, humble yourself. Have you ever had God have to humble you? That's a rough one. Sometimes God has to humble us. If we don't do it ourselves, God is going to do it. But the better is the mind of Christ. Humble yourself. And he humbled himself and became obedient. Obedient not just to the cross, but until the cross. The Greek word there is until the cross. He is obedient until he died, in other words. He is completely submitted. He has emptied himself. He's a servant. He's obedient. to the. He said it this way. I don't do anything of myself. I don't say anything of myself. I say what the Spirit, what God says from within me. I wish I could say that, but I can't. I do say some things by myself. Lots of them. Sometimes I wish later I hadn't said those things by myself, right? But taking on the attributes of Christ is not easy. And then next, let me say this. There's no need for us to try and excel beyond our rabbi. There's a lot of people trying to do that. Now, I'm going to tell you this. If you don't see it in Scripture and people are doing it, don't connect with it. Now, I'm to that place in my life now. People are blaming all kinds of things on the Spirit of the Lord, Holy Ghost. They're blaming. We just saw it the other day. I just got to bring it. I don't know if Rodney was going to show us the other night that the man was in revival. He's up there playing the piano like Heather was this morning. And he just got so excited he needed to run and jump and dance. And that's fine. You know, there's time for that. And we could do that and celebrate. But he said when he left, the Holy Ghost kept playing the piano. And I'm like, what? I'm not going there. I see that piano start playing for itself. You know, I was a little kid in San Jose, California, and I went to the Winchester Mystery House. And, and I'm not going to the Mystery House in church. I want to know what's going on here. Can you say amen? But that's us. That's going above the, the rabbi, going beyond the rabbi. No servant is going to get out there beyond the rabbi. If he hasn't taught it, and the apostles of Christ did not teach it, I'm letting it go. There's a lot of people practicing that kind of stuff. It goes like this. Whatever you, whatever you, if you, as long as you didn't think of it yourself, then it must be God, so just do it. No, I'm going the opposite of that. Please don't do that here. I don't want people doing forward flips, taking chairs, bringing them down over other people's heads, kicking holes in the walls. I don't want that kind of stuff. 
That's going beyond the rabbi. Can you say amen? No servant is beyond the rabbi. So don't try and go and get out there somewhere. Well, we need to get out in this area where we've never been. No, thank you. No, thank you. I'm going to stay within the confines of the living word of God. Because there I have something to stand upon. Amen. Amen. But everyone completely, thoroughly completed will be as the rabbi. <clears throat> if you can see him, you can be like him. John, the third chapter, second verse, but we know that if he is revealed, we shall be like him because we will see him as he is. Now, I want to take this scripture for a minute. We've, t we've turned that to rapture and second coming. That is not about second coming. It's about revelation, manifestation of who he is. If he is revealed, this is something that we try and teach in this church. We've got to teach the revelation of Jesus Christ because if he's not revealed, you can't see him and you cannot be like him. But if we see him, we can be like him. In other words, again, the servant is like the rabbi. You're not the rabbi. You'll never get above the rabbi. But if you could see him. Now, let me give you an example of this. And, and this is this is old thing we preached years and years ago. Everybody knows Elisha and Elijah, right? Prophet Elijah, one of the great men ever in the Scripture. In fact, he was to come during Jesus' time. And Jesus said, he's, he's been here. If you can receive it, he's John the Baptist. But Elijah was this great prophet of God. <coughs> Had a servant, Elisha. Elijah is getting ready to go. His time is spent. God is going to take him home. In fact, he's going to carry him home. You know how it ended up that the Lord just took him. And Elisha is traveling with him to that destination point of where Elijah is going to be taken away from him. They get through a few towns and Elisha, Elijah has told Elisha, stay here. It'd just be better. No, I'm not staying here. I'm going with you. They go to another town, and, and, and Elijah says, well, you just stay here. And, and Elisha says, I'm not. I'm not leaving you, my master. And then finally, Elijah sees the intent of Elisha, and their hearts are, are bound together. Elijah turns over to Elisha and said, what can I do for you? One last thing. What can I do for you? And Elisha says, I want a double portion. Well, actually, the, 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 the rendering there is, I want two portions. I want my mouth, and, and it uses the Hebrew word for mouth. I want my mouth to be able to speak two portions of what you've got. Elisha says, that's a hard thing to do. I really can't give that to you. I don't believe, and so a lot of people have taken that that uh, laying the mantle, you know, giving the mantle out on other people. And I've said, I've been in those services. If you never have, I can get my coat this morning and show you. You lay the coat on. Jordan, Elisha says to him, uh, I want this double portion. Elijah says back, if 
you see me when I go. And so Elisha's following him, looking, waiting to see so that he doesn't get caught up without him sitting. No, it's not about that. If you see me, if you know who I am and what I'm about and my ministry and what I've done and how I do it because of the anointing of the Lord, if you can see that, if you can see my message, And if you can see him for what he is, and I pray, God, show me, like, oh, show me your glory, Lord. Manifest yourself into my life. Because if I can see you, I can quit being like me so much. And I can be like you for a change. I can get rid of my old opinions and thoughts and filtering everything through my little data bank. And really see what it is that you're about. Lord, if I look at the kingdom. I was talking to Brother Tim Stewart the other night there at dinner. And it's ironic because he said the same thing. He said the kingdom. You know, we've, we've, we've done church as usual. I call it orthodoxy. We've done church as usual. But we need to see the greater kingdom. But I cannot see that unless I see his heart. Unless he reveals his heart to us, then we just continue where we're at, which isn't a bad place. It just is we'll never be changed from glory to glory without seeing him for who he is. Can you say amen? And so why do you preach Jesus so much, Pastor? You know, you guys are always preaching Jesus because I don't have anything else to preach. It's all about him. It's all about seeing him. Can you say amen? Well, we're going to. Boy, the devil's having a heyday. He's trying to shut everything down. <clears throat> Let me tell you this. Before you can ever get to Philippians 2, let this mind be in you, which is in Christ Jesus. You're going to fight a war that is just as real as if like all of our men with their ARs went out and tried to stop an invasion or something. It's just as real. See, if I can do it in the flesh, I don't have to do it in the spirit then. It's easier to walk in the flesh than it is in the spirit. Thank you, Prince Justin. I'll just get my AR out. We'll blow the devil away, you know. We'll go down to abortion clinics and kill all the doctors. Now, I'm not saying, you know, anybody listening? I don't mean that. But what I mean is, that's not the answer. That, that doesn't fix anything. Even the word where Jesus uses, he would that everybody would repent. The word repent, metanoia, it means to change your mind. He doesn't have a problem washing your sin away. That's not the problem. The problem is we will get up and continue to sin unless our mind is changed.
unless we see it different, we're going to do it over and over and over. Unless we see the heart of the Lord that says, you need to stop that in your life. Unless we see that, we'll continue. And so we need this thing about changing our mind. You're not going to get the mind of Christ without a war. I believe you think you've fought the devil. You think you've fought evil. You think you've fought spirits. You go to change your mind and get it like the mind of Christ. You're going to fight a battle. You're going to be in the thick of it because your mind does not want to submit itself to the higher. We're flesh. We're human. We like what we like. We like our comforts. We like our stuff. We like people leave us alone and treat us good. That's what we like. God, treat us good. Lord, give us stuff. That's why the, 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 the whole prosperity gospel works so well is because that's exactly what I want. That feeds me. God, feed my flesh. And he's saying, I'm going to take you out to a cross and get your mind out there and crucify that thing so that you see him as he is. Can everybody say amen? Is everybody all right? All right. <coughs> we're just, we're, we're closing in. Give you some hope there. You can call it a crucifixion. Well, I want to take you. Would you turn over to 2 Corinthians, the 10th chapter again, and you might just want to jot just a few things down. The literal reading, the literal reading here, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not AR-15s or none of that. But powerful uses the word dunamis, powerful, but it really means more about ability than it does power. Powerful to God in order, listen to this, listen to this, to demolish strongholds. Now, that's a little different than pulling them down. If you pull them down, you can use the same bricks to build them right back up. What they did, what the Roman Empire did to the city of Jerusalem is what we're going to call demolish. You couldn't even build it back. Said that ultimately they plowed the streets. Josephus said that Jerusalem looked like a plowed field when they got done. And that's exactly what God wants to do to this carnal mind. Demolish the strongholds. Well, I'm going to deal with it. And then, then I'm going to let it come back and start filtering through that again. That stronghold is that thing that, that, that you're putting, that, that, that premise, that premier premise in your life. That's what that stronghold is. What do you think the stronghold is in us? Uh, drinking alcohol? You only drink because there's something in you, in here, that's telling you to do it. And so instead of dealing with the brew itself, we have to deal with the intention of what makes it happen. That is the demolishing of strongholds. When God demolishes something out of your life, He demolishes it. He doesn't just put it aside for a few minutes. I call it taking a vacation, right? We had a lot of people, we've dealt with a lot of people who've been on drugs and alcohol, and, and men, they're what we call doing good. They're doing good for a while, and then they go back to it. No, they just took a vacation. It wasn't demolished. 
You get something demolished in your life, it's going to take you, you're going to have to do some working to build it back up. And so this word demolished is so perfect here because, because God has the ability to demolish strongholds. And then what's next? Imaginations. <coughs> How many of you believe in meditation? I'm not talking about that deal. I'm talking about meditating, just thinking, just thinking. You pray a bit, you pray, get in a place, and you say, Lord, I just want to think about some things now. That's okay. Somebody thinks that prayer is all you talking and God not talking. That's just one-way prayer, right? And so we do that. We pray. We let a request be in. But then we say, now, Lord, I want your mind. To begin to work in my mind. And I begin to meditate on the things of the Lord. I think it was David said day and night. Do you ever wake up at night and you just started thinking about the Lord's thanks? How, how many has experienced that? I have many, many times. I'll wake up. I hope I don't care. I don't know if I wake her up or not. I'll wake up at 2 or 3 in the morning. I can't go back to sleep. I hate that. So the other night, I just, I just said, well, I'm, I'm going to pray a while and then see what happens. But I always know what happens because if you pray enough, you're going back to sleep. So I'm sitting there praying, you know, I don't know, an hour goes by. But I'm just thinking meditating is quiet. And, and, and then, you know, it's just like the Lord begins to get his mind in touch with your mind. Because until you bring those strongholds down, those imaginations... Man, we're going 100 miles an hour. We get in church sometimes. We're going 100 miles an hour, and I really can't even hear what the preacher says. I'm waiting to get to Brahms. I'm waiting to whatever, and my mind's just just rolling. And sometimes God just puts the brakes on that and says, no, wait a minute. Wait a minute here. Bringing down imaginations, and every high thing lifting itself up against the knowledge of God. Every one of these are mind issues. And then taking captives. Now, we're in a setting of war. This is the point where Rome takes the rebellious army and rebellious soldiers and litters the hillside with crosses and those soldiers on them because they have led the captives away. Here's the picture. God begins to enable us by His power to tear down strongholds, imaginations, and every thought that is not in the obedience of Christ. Now, we're going to the cross. We're leading those captives. Everybody understand what I'm saying? They're going to the cross, and they will never, never return in power. Rome felt like that if they subdued an army so much that they could never regroup, that they would never have to deal with them again. It's the same idea what God's saying here. You lead those imaginations. You lead those strongholds. You lead those things that have been, been in your life that you 
that they are taking your mind, they're, they're captivating your thought life, and you lead them out as captives, and you put them on the cross, and they are never to return into your life again to cause you to be captive to those thoughts. Now, it's awful quiet right now. I said, Pastor, I already know this. I, thank you, but I already know this. But I have to remind you this morning, you'll never have the mind of Christ working in the mind of the flesh. Not going to happen. Not going to happen. So I take those, those thoughts, those things that have captivated me, and then like Paul says, we bring those strongholds down, we captivate them, and then we lead them out to the cross, and there we put them on the cross. And something takes place in our life. Listen to this. It's the next scripture, and I didn't read it, but I believe it's the, uh, yeah, the sixth scripture. Let me explain it this way. When does this take place in our life? God's ready to carry out judgment against disobedience. As soon as you are ready to come back into obedience. Lord, I've let my thoughts, and I've, I've kind of gone astray thinking I'm not, I know, Lord, that I need to do better. Well, let me tell you this. When is God ready for that to happen in your life? The next revival somewhere? The next time something happens, it's cataclysmic, and you get down and, and make more commitments to God? No, He's ready to judge disobedience in our life right now. And the judging of that is to bring us back into obedience of the mind of Christ. It's beautiful. He's not going to take a, 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 a whip and a club and beat us to pieces. That is not the idea here. It's just simply that we allow obedience to come back in our life and say, Lord, forgive us and help us to obey. Help us to work out of the mind of Christ. And God is ready at that moment to judge that disobedience and to put it away out of our life. I don't want to be obedient to the Lord. I don't want to be disobedient, uh, excuse me, disobedient rather to the Lord, or disobedient to His mind. And so when I'm ready, the bee's on us. Come on, say amen. When I'm ready to quit disobeying, then God is ready to judge that out of my life. And then I come back into obedience. Isn't it beautiful? <coughs> when I was young, and they taught, uh, they taught heaven and hell more than pretty much anything else. And I'm in heaven, uh, but if I make a mistake, I'm in hell. And now I pray, and now I'm in heaven. I mean, you just go back and forth. You don't know if you're going to heaven or hell. You're hoping you're going to heaven, but you don't know. It's like the Islamic people. They, they don't know. They haven't been weighed out yet. I've already been weighed out. I love the Lord. Can everybody say, I love the Lord here this morning? Can you say amen? That's not what's in question here. What's in question here is our disobedient mind that's in question. And is he going to kick us out of the kingdom for that? No. He's going to restore us and fix our mind so that we think like he does. 
He's not in the process of kicking people out. He's in the process of clarifying the situation and bringing them in. And so I said, God, do that for us this morning. Can you say amen to that? Amen, amen, amen. So he will destroy the aforementioned and bring us into the mind of Christ. That's obedient to him. You may have lost a battle or two. Does anybody here say that you've lost a battle or two of the mind, a battle of the mind? How many can just, now, now we're going to go with a full church thing. How many would say this morning that you've lost some battles of the mind? Yeah, everybody. Everybody. But the flip side of this is that we are more than conquerors. See, you don't understand conquer unless you go to war. And a conqueror is at the end of the war. He's not at the beginning. But in Christ, we are more than conquerors to start with. And so we have this promise that he's not going to leave us where we are, but he is going to help us. The flesh mind is predestined to lose the war. And Jesus Christ is predetermined to win every battle. Every battle. So I'm going to say this morning, would you rise with me? I'm going to say this this morning, God. We're ready we're ready to go to war. Don't go home and get your holster on and your gun and get your ammunition out. No, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. What were, what were Jesus' weapons? He was fasting and praying in the wilderness. Maybe that's our weapons, fasting and praying. It's, 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 not, it's not getting some, you know, good mark down at church. We got another star. We made it to another service. No, it's all, it's all about are yielding to him and fasting and prayer that we can become obedient to his mind. Can you say amen? And Lord, we pray right now. Jesus, I delivered what I felt like that you would have me this morning in conjunction of what we did last week. Lord, we can't put the mind on the cross until it comes down, till it's captive, till, till you've taken the strongholds and places out of our life, Lord, until we quit filtering things through, through the wrong premise, Lord, and we begin to filter things through your mind. Loving you, caring about you, caring about your kingdom, the revelation of you, Lord. <coughs> These things become important to us. Then, Lord, you will begin to make us like you. And our mind will become like your mind, Lord. And we just ask you now that this process goes on. I know every person in this building, Lord, we've been to war. But every day now, we have to go to war. Lord, we have to be willing to take down those thoughts. Take down those things that have captivated us. And make them captive by the name of Jesus Christ. And we thank you for it, Lord. Everyone said amen.